Okay, I hope you, I don't know if you noticed in the slides, but it is Family Sunday, and me and my big mouth, um, I'm Lynn, I have a big mouth, and so I said the last Family Sunday, well, if we're going to have Family Sunday, we should, we, it should be, you know, for the whole family and not just the same we always do. And so, you know, well then why don't you do it? I'm like, oh, great. So we are doing, we're experimenting here, an interactive family Sunday. Paul, I want you on this other side of me. I know you have it in your head, but I want you over here. Okay. So um, intergenerational, interfamily. Did I lose something? Oh, I put it back here. And it's kind of an experiment. And if you like something, awesome, tell Dan. If you don't like something, tell Dan. Don't tell me. <laughs> so I don't want to know. I worked, I worked hard for this. Um, I'm Lynn Lindbergh, and I have taught preschool. I've taught elementary school. I've done the confirmation program here. I am an adult. I have experience being an adult. So I have kind of taught a lot of different ages. And so today we're going to do it in a, uh, our worship time in a little bit of an interactive, multi-generational uh, way. So it's um, when Paul and I have been talking about it, Paul and, and Shannon were very big on our church as a family. And so today, on this Sunday of Intergenerational Family Sunday, it's kind of like going to a birthday party for, for a one-year-old. You know, you may love it, you may not, but you go because you're part of the family. So there may be some things here that you're like, I really like that, and there'll be some things where you're like, that bored me to tears. And um, hopefully, there's something in here for everybody, but it is not necessarily that there will be everything for everybody. Because as a family, we want to include everybody in parts of it. So um, I think that's the beginning part of it. So we are, I think that's my introduction. Um, Paul Smith is going to be helping me with it. I have my, no, I have, there you me. You're, you're there. So um, when, when Dan asked me to do this today, he told me that we were going through First Peter. And so... Um, we're going to do the next part of First Peter, which is we're going to review the first part of First Peter, the first chapter. We're going to do a little bit with the second, the beginning of the second chapter. I, I don't have my name tag here. I'm going to be Peter. Paul is going to be Silas. So I, in reading up on Peter, I, if you look at just the beginning of the, the, the um, study Bible, it says that Peter, they think, was was fluent in Greek, but he was probably not a good writer in Greek. So I'm Peter. I'm truly, I'm not fluent in Greek. I am only fluent in English. But for, for this point, I'm going to be fluent in Greek. And Paul, Paul is Silas, my scribe, because I can't write well. I can only speak well. So, and maybe that's not even there. So here we go. We're going to be a little interactive at this point. And um, this is the first part of the interaction. So I'm going to be Peter. All right, Silas, are you ready to get started? I really, really want to get this letter written and sent around to those churches. The believers in Asia Minor are having a really tough time with the harassment and the hostility by their neighbors. 
And I want them to know that even though it's hard and it feels bad, belonging to Jesus is worth everything. I want to give them hope. Well, I'm ready when you're ready. Got to keep it right there. Okay. Okay, let me think. So I want them to realize that now that they belong to Jesus, they're part of the family of Abraham. And they're part of our story. They are wandering exiles, just like our Hebrew ancestors, just like Jesus and just like us. Um, they're misunderstood, they're mistreated. Well, this sounds really bad, doesn't it? It sounds like it's a bad thing to be us. But they're headed for the promised land. So even though they still live in this world, they don't belong to this world anymore. They live in God's kingdom and under God's authority. They are God's beloved children waiting for a new world with Jesus as king. Yes, they need to know they are not alone and abandoned. Rather, they are chosen. Let's see, you chose to use metaphors to explain the truth. Yeah, that's right, I did. God uses a lot of metaphors in scriptures. And Jesus, he spoke in metaphors and stories all the time. You know, we really couldn't figure out what he was saying half the time. But the stories and the metaphors, they really helped me remember stuff. That one about the vine and the branches, I think about that all the time. Okay, so yesterday when we were putting it together, our first image was of the Hebrew slaves eating the first Passover, being ready to leave Egypt at any moment. So let's see, the scripture says, this is how you're to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hands. Eat it in haste, it's the Lord's Passover. How did you write it yesterday? Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Yes, I want them to know that God has revealed himself to them, just as he did to us, and he is leading them out of lives of captivity into freedom in him. Don't forget the image of the Passover lamb. I have heard that story and participated in Passover year after year. It still amazes me that Jesus is our Passover lamb. You reminded them that they are part of that story too, that Jesus is their Passover lamb. Let's see, you said, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed, but the empty way of, the, of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Amen and amen. The precious blood of Christ. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Okay, so remember, after the Hebrew slaves walked across the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was destroyed, God spoke to us in the wilderness. He gave us laws and rules and guidelines of how to live as his chosen people. In the law, he said, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore be holy because I am holy. So how did you write that yesterday? As obedient children, 
Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Good. I really like that, if I do say so myself. That's really good. Um, and then we quoted Isaiah, right? The flowers of the field and the grass and they wither and blah, 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 blah. But the word of the Lord stands forever because I want them to know that we didn't make this up. That God's word is always true and you can build your life on it. Amen. Okay, so now we're at the new part. You ready? Yes. Okay. So the new believers are part of God's people and God's story, but they're new believers. So they remind me kind of of babies. So much potential, so much growing to do. And yet they're not bad babies. They come with a lot of, a uh, bunch of baggage. I cringe when I remember what I was like when I first met Jesus. In order to live together well and grow healthy and live well with each other and with the world, they need to get rid of some behaviors like malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, deceit. Can you write that? Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, Crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Ooh, yes, that is just how I said it, except uh, better. <laughs> I really like it. We're a good team. So, you know... In both Isaiah and in Psalms, they use the metaphor of stones and the cornerstone. I think I want to use that metaphor because it will help the believers become literate in their new story, in our story. And so let's see. So they come to Jesus, and he's the stone. More specifically, he's the living stone. I know we don't think of a stone as living, but it's important to declare that Jesus is alive and that he is the stone described in scripture. He represents God's rule. He's active and living in the world. He's bringing healing and restoration, so he is the living stone. Obviously, many people reject Jesus and choose to live their lives on your own, but he is precious, and he's chosen by God. So, let's see. The new believers have chosen Jesus. He's claimed them as his own. They are precious to him, he is precious to them, and he is their living stone. So now with the Holy Spirit living us, we're also like living stones. God's Spirit is in us, but he's also forming us into a temple. We're living stones being put together in, to make Jesus' body on earth. Can you write that? Here's what I have. Are you, are you, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. 
Is that what you're wanting? Um, yeah, but I think, I think there's something more. So not only are we as the spiritual house where God's spirit dwells, but, but we're a holy priesthood, representing God to the world and being part of reconciling the world to God. <clears throat> we don't need to offer animal sacrifices anymore. Jesus was the final and complete sacrifice. But that is going to take some serious spiritual sacrifice, surrendering to God and others in order to continue Jesus' ministry. Um, what do you have now? As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I like it. Um, I want to include some scripture to tie in what we're saying in this letter to God's word. Do you have an idea? Okay. How about from Isaiah? See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Oh, that cornerstone, I don't want to forget that metaphor. It's so important. I assume those people in Asia Minor have built their own houses, and they would know what a cornerstone is. Wouldn't you think so? Okay, yeah, I know that's fine. So the cornerstone is going to be used for the foundation and the standard upon which the building is constructed. Once in place, the rest of the building is going to conform to the angles and the size of the cornerstone. If it's removed, the entire structure could collapse. Jesus is our cornerstone on which we build our lives. And together, in all our individual uniquenesses, we are being built into a spiritual house, a house of the spirit where God dwells among us. Amen. Amen. So we have, going to shift a little bit so you guys can. Um, when you came in, and I don't know if everybody did this, but there were rocks out there to put your name on. And um, you're a, a, a living stone, right? God's living in you. And I have to say that, um, as an aside, John and I are doing some work in our yard, and it involves some digging. And so as we were digging, and D John did up most of it. I did a tiny little bit, right, tiny. But if you've ever dug in our soil here, it's horrible. My mom was always like, you have such nice soil. And that's because we brought it in to the garden. If you're digging in the soil, it's just terrible. So I have my little shovel. John's doing all this work. But I've got this little shovel. Like, I'm doing, and I'm like getting like a third of a cup of dirt on this whole shovel. And just all these rocks. And I'm thinking of the living stones, right? That Jesus is trying to build together to build something great. And John and I want to build something, you know, nice and beautiful. But those stupid stones. And I think, you know, if the stones were together into one great thing, it would be awesome. But no, they're all their little individual annoying little stones in everywhere I want to dig. And there they are. And so, I, you know, I mean, I don't want to say that 
God looks at me and says I'm an annoying little stone because I don't think that he does. I think he says he loves me and I'm beautiful. But I think when I'm all on my own, all by myself, and I'm not part of a body, I'm not doing exactly all I could do. And so Jesus says, Paul, Peter and Silas wrote about Jesus being the living stone. So here's... This is, this is my Jesus stone. It's a nice foundation. This is one of the stones that we dug up. And I did not personally dig it up. My shovel's not big enough. But it's the kind where you get to it, you're like, this stone is going to come up if it's the last thing I do. So that stone came up, and I thought, well, that's perfect. We'll use it here. So um, because it's Interactive Sunday, and we're trying to do things a little bit differently, I would like to have, and I know I talked to a couple people, some kids and dads to come up and use these stones to build a, this is a metaphor, people, so it's not real, we're not really building a temple, we're not really these stones, it's all an example, but I want, if you're a kid and I talk to you and you and your dad are going to come up, come on up, come on up, come on up, and take these stones and see if we can build them into, you guys are going to stand over here and your dads are going to stand behind you. So, and they can help you out. See if you can build it into a nice tabernacle where Jesus is in the middle. You can just stand right behind her. Because she's going to feel better. And here you go. The stones are there. Start building that tabernacle. See what you can do. And see if you can build it up there, build it up, build it up. We're using rocks that have your names on them because we are the body that's being built together. And we'll see what we can do, you guys. Your dads can help you put some up, too. And if it's, we have to try to use all the rocks because we're all part. Yes. We're all part of the body being built together into this one, one body together where God's dwelling within us. Now know that he dwells within us and he always, he lives in our hearts. How's it coming? Is it a little frustrating? Oh, but it has to, it, it can't pile. It has good. to have a middle. It has to be open in the middle. Oh, try now. You gotta make it open in the middle so that the Holy Spirit, like a, like a building, not a, not a pile of rocks. You're doing wonderful. Oh, good, that's what I was hoping would happen. So you guys are really good. So you gotta get those up. So here's, here's the, you know, when you do a, a, a thing, it gets a little hard. It's, a good, it's hard to get the stones to stay. Hard to get the whole stones to stay. So when I was doing it, it was super hard to get the stones to stay. And I thought, oh, because isn't that hard for us to all stick together? Who do we need? I'm giving you guys three guesses. You can get an answer from your dad. Who do we need to help us all stick together well? And the answer is not Jesus. Not Jesus. It's not God. There's three guesses. What would it be? The Holy Spirit. So, since it's a metaphor, our Holy Spirit today is. Ta da! Plato. See if that'll make us all stick together well. 
That should work way better. Sometimes that needs to happen. Oh, it does. Sometimes we need to start over from the beginning. The Holy Spirit can do work within us that we can't possibly do on our own. The Holy Spirit can bind us together in all our uniquenesses. Not only does he draw us into this one body that we have, but he takes the, the edges that are not flat and that are bumpy, and he just can make them stick together. So we can stick together, and then we can have that center where God is at the center. coming oh yeah we'll give him a couple more minutes here they're getting all of it all of us are stuck in there if you wrote your name on a rock your name is stuck somewhere in there I'm saying stuck but you belong that's a way better saying not that you're stuck with us but that you belong as we belong together Paul kept saying it, we're family. We're building it together. And you don't have to, we can stop, we should be about at a stopping spot. Oh, I think they almost got them all. That's pretty good. I just did a sample at home. did awesome. <laughs> We're all in. We're all in. We're all part of the body. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So you want to just stay up here? Could you, if you're going to read something, you can just stay over here for a minute. And if you're not, do you want to read something? Okay. Can just wait right over there because we're going to do this thing. So Paul finished this section that, Sil uh, that Peter, I'm sorry, with Paul here? I'm doing Peter and Paul. This is written by Peter. Paul, who is Silas, is the scribe, but I'm just flipping those names around all the time. So it's not written by Paul. It's written by Peter. So Peter ended this section of, of all these thoughts with... He, which were all for our head, right? They were about the body and about, about metaphors and about all these thinkings. And now he's going to do, the next section is for our hearts. He combines all these things together, all these images of priests and walls and temples and tabernacles and nations into one poetic piece that's to land in our hearts. And so um, this is what he writes. Guys, you're going to give me one minute after I read it and we'll be all set. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
So sit with that a minute. This is who you are. It's who you are right now. Not who you're going to be. It's not even something we're aiming for. Peter says this is who we are right now. We are. You ready? Oh, I'm going to take your mic. Oh, you, have, you need the mic first. Okay. You are chosen. Desired. An object of choice. Precious. Oh, who's God? Royal. You are royal. Part of the family of a king, born into royal family. It is your birthright, not something you earn. You are holy. Set apart, sacred. You belong to God. Accepted, included in the deepest part of your identity. Thank you so much. Thank you, you can sit down. That's what you are. That's what we are, together, built into something that is much greater than what we are individually. And so, um, in the honor of an interactive, multi-generational Sunday, um, my son came over for Father's Day, my son Carl, who's a worship pastor at Bell Press, and I said, Carl, Carl, help me write a song. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be interactive, and we're going to learn this thing. So this is such an important verse. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times when I feel that I am not a royal priesthood. In particular, like when I was shoveling those stupid rocks, I did not feel this way. I did not feel that way. But I want this verse to settle into us. And I've talked to a lot of adults that are like, I can't memorize. I do not memorize. Like my phone number, I can do that. But I don't memorize stuff. And so when, we, when I work with my kids at school, they, I teach second grade now, they, it really helps to memorize things if you use a lot of different modes of learning. So we're going to sing it in a song. We're going to do with the motions, which are sign language. And if you read sign language, it might not be really good sign language. Um, sorry, I got it off the internet, you know, and I kind of put it together. But so using motions helps us learn. Using the, repeating the words help us learn. In a melody, it helps us learn. And so we're going to take a few minutes to get this song kind of, um, and it's super basic. It's just to help you learn. It's not like uh, I didn't put a copyright on it or anything. It's not that kind of a thing. So, but the words of the song are right there. The only difference, oh, except I forgot to read the rest of it. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The song, we're just going to do the beginning part, ending with light. And the word does, I, I really wanted wonderful there, but Carl's a musician, and he told me that the way that, it was just too hard to add the word wonderful. It would be harder to sing. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So it goes like this. And I think I'll just do it a cappella, Danny, first. And then we'll let you. Well, it probably be better for you. Yeah. It goes like this. You 
Oh, let me do it. Wait a minute. Let me get my sign language ready. I gotta get the word chosen. Oh, chosen. Okay, okay. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the, oh, declare the praises of him who called you into his light and we're gonna do it again and um so yeah we're gonna probably do it a few times i'll try to do it slow i try not to mess up my i have kids at school that really freak out when they mess up and so i'm always telling them i mess up all the time so if you there there should be something here for everybody so if you don't want to sing, you can do the sign language if you don't want to sing or do the sign language you can read the words but it would be the idea, the reason we're doing it is to get this verse from our heads into our hearts so that it can stay there. And then it can come back to us when we need it. God's word can come that way. So we're going we're gonna to try it again nice and slow, and I'll try not to make any mistakes. Here we go. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. See if I can do it. last part here. So I don't know if you've noticed, but in the sermon Stan does, and in most sermons you hear, there's a so what. So we've learned this stuff in our head. We learned that Peter used metaphors. We used that he told the people in Asia Minor that they were part of the story of Abraham. And so, so what? So what does it matter? Is it just one more piece of information in your head? I have a terrible memory. Terrible Terrible. I've forgotten really important things. Like, I forgot that I got a master's degree. I forgot that uh, I had a wedding reception from my in-laws. I just, I forgot just recently, my daughter reminded me that I volunteered to make all the desserts for her rehearsal dinner. I'm like, I did? She goes, you did. I'm like, why? Why did I do that? That was not a good idea. So, I mean, I forget things. So that idea of getting, of having too much stuff in my head, I have a lot of stuff in my head. I'm probably teaching because I'm always on and learning and going. But I need to move that information from God from my head to my heart. Because in my heart, it can stay. And my heart, it can come back. It's not as easily forgotten. So the so what is that? So what? 
So what that Peter said that? So what does it matter to you? He wrote the letter to the people in Asia Minor 2,000 years ago. Who cares? Right? What does it matter to you? But the Bible is living and active, and it applies to you and me just like it applied to them. So the letter applies to them and to us. There's things in there. God's Holy Spirit is using that to talk to you today. And I don't know. I could tell you all kinds of so what's. Um, I'll, I'll tell you my so what. But I don't know. Oftentimes in a sermon, the pastor says, so? And you sit there and you're like, okay, now this is a so what? So this is how it applies to my life. But the reality is I don't know your life. The Holy Spirit knows your life. And if you want to know what your so what is, you've got to listen to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's going to say, this is the so what for you. I can tell you what the so what is for me or one of the so what's. So when I, when Dan asked me to speak this Sunday, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because of course, you know, like I said, I put my foot in my mouth by saying we should try an interactive Sunday. And so he's like, try it. I'm like, okay. So here I am. And so then I got, he's like, it's first Peter. I'm like, okay. He goes, and it's the good life. And I was like, no. That week that I got the text that it was the good life, people near and dear to me had suffered devastating losses. Just deep, deep griefs. I actually, it actually took me down for two days. Just loss of hopes and dreams. It was, I'm like, I am not the one to talk on the good life. Because you know what, God? Your plan. And you say you love us, but it does not feel that way. And if this is what love looks like, I don't think I like it. And I don't want to stand up in front of a bunch of people and go, Oh, this is a good life. God's going to give us a good life. It's going to be so great. We're chosen. We're royal. We're holy. Woohoo! And be like, I hate what you did. It is breaking my heart. I don't think I can do this. And I told John, I'm like, I don't think so. I'm not the one to talk on the chosen life, what it means to have the good life, what it means to be chosen. So I spent a little time talking to God, and I journaled talking to God. And, and if you can picture what a one-year-old looks like throwing dirt clods at you, that's what, I, that's what I was doing. I was sitting in the dirt, throwing it at God, going, that's what I think of that, that's what I think of that, that's what I think of that. And God did to me, like he does with a one-year-old, he just gathered me, right? He just gathered me, and he goes, yeah, that makes a ton of sense that you would feel that way. And yeah, it doesn't make sense. And yeah, our world is really broken, and I am so, so sorry that you hurt. But within that, his words settled into my soul. That I'm chosen. I belong to God. I am set apart and holy. That I'm never, ever away from him, no matter how it feels. No matter if I feel like throwing dirt clouds at him, no matter if my heart is broken. No matter if it feels like I'm going to be in the dark forever. A second way that the scripture talked to me for my so what was the part about being in the darkness. 
I have this sense that when I'm in the dark, things don't make sense, and that's how I felt, and that when I step into the light, it's gonna make sense, right? So I step out of the darkness of when I'm like, God, this doesn't make sense, I don't like this, and then I step into the light, and it all makes sense. Well, I have to say that in my years of living, there are things that have happened that do not make sense, even though God tells me I'm standing in his light, and I am. And this time, when I read that scripture, the image that came to me was of a cave. Now, this is a metaphor, so if you're a biologist and you know all about caves, I'm probably screwing it up, but this is where it came to me. This is how the Holy Spirit talked to me. So we went to Mammoth Caves a while ago, and John knows that I despise caves <laughs> and darkness. It's a huge cave, it's not a tiny cave. And um, he and Jake went to a tiny cave that they had to crawl through, and they're like, do you wanna come with? And I'm like, not in a million years. But this was a mammoth cave is huge. I mean, it has an elevator, it has lights and everything. So you're going through the cave and there's, it, it gets narrow and it's tall. And, and then in the middle of the cave, they turn off the lights. And I go, oh, see how dark it is. And I'm like, oh, I'm just closing my eyes. I'm just closing my eyes. It's not really dark. My eyes are closed. You know, so then they turn on the light and you're like, oh, it was really dark. But inside the cave where it's dark, there's very little life. Life. There's no light but there's very little life. And this time, when I had that image of a cave, and when you walk out of the cave, the thing that's most amazing to me is how green it all is. There's so much life outside the cave. And so my so what, in addition to the first one, was that in the light, there is life. And no matter how I feel, when I walk out of the darkness, I live in light. I live with life. I will always be growing and changing, and when those things hit me, like I'm, I'm gonna feel like this for the rest of my entire life, it's not true. That I'm gonna grow and I'm gonna change because I've got a good God, and he's never leaving me, and he is a God of light and life, and I'm gonna change. So that's my so what. The question is, what is your so what? So I'm gonna, I know Danny finally just sat down, but I'll just sing this, I'll say the verse. And see if there's a word or a phrase that settles down deep in you, that, that just, you just wanna grab onto. There might not be, but there might be. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people belonging to god that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his light there's a word or a phrase that settles into your heart hold on to that and when you go home today Keep gazing at it in your mind's eye. What is your so what? How does it make your life different? It may be something you do, but it might not be. It might be. It's always an invitation from God. My invitation was to trust him, to be honest with him, to know that I was safe, that I wasn't going to stay in that place, that I was going to always be in life and light. Yours could be something totally different. But whatever it is, know that you are chosen, you are holy, you are precious, and you belong to God.
And now, God's word to you for this week, that you are God's chosen people, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare his praise, who brought you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. Go with God. Amen.